Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This podcast is brought to you by GrownBuy. Join farmers from across the U.S. who are selling direct on the first cooperatively owned sales app, GrownBuy. You can easily manage CSAs of any scale, organize your spring plant sales, move that freezer meat, or even sell wholesale on GrownBuy. Farm shops are free to build with lots of inventory options. You can accept credit cards and offline payments, and their pick lists and pack sheets do the job. Customers will get automated notifications on orders, refunds, and pickups. There is no startup fees, no monthly or yearly subscriptions, no additional charge for tech support. The only cost is a small co-op service charge for online processing. However, as a listener of the Thriving Farmer podcast, you get 50% off your first three months of co-op service charges on GrownBuy. Email their very friendly farmer support team at grow at farmgenerations.coop to get this offer. Check it out at grownby.com or download the app on the Google Play or Apple App Stores. Grown by the farmer-owned marketplace. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today my guest is Jason Contreras of Sow the Land on YouTube. In 2016, Jason and his family left their life in LA to start a small homestead in the mountains of North Carolina. Now in remission from cancer, Jason is on a journey to grow his family's food, create an efficient homestead, and share the whole process in the hopes of inspiring others. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So give me a little bit of what was life like back in LA? Yeah. So, um, you know, office job, (laughs) nine to five office job. And, you know, me and my wife, we grew up in the same area, went to the same high school. Uh, All of our families back out there, that's just where we're from. Um, You know, grandma lived on the next street over you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so we kind of were in that area and always grew, grew up there. And, you know, I guess we lived, I guess the standard American, uh, did this standard American diet for sure. Um, and just grew up that way, just kind of normal, normal guy in, uh, LA, I guess, LA area. And then, uh, um, so didn't grow up around farming or homesteading or growing anything. I didn't, I don't think we even knew a single person that had a backyard garden, you know, or what well, just wasn't around it. Didn't, didn't have friends around that knew how to do it or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then what was it that you said enough is enough? Yeah. So in, you know, we hit, we're already married me and my wife and, uh, in 2010, I got diagnosed with cancer, which mm-hmm. was Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that, that was the reason, I mean, that, that kind of, we started thinking differently at that time, you know, and it was like, Whoa, you know, I, I had just turned 30 years old and it was like, I got cancer. Like, this is so wild, you know, like mm. usually, you know, the person I know who has cancer, they're like in their eighties, you know, yeah. they're already older. And for, for that to happen to me, it was just totally unexpected. And, uh, from there, we just start, we just started to think differently, like, or, or should we be eating differently? Should I be exercising more? You know, just kind of that style of, of what to do. And then I did six months of chemo. Um, and that was it, you know, didn't have any crazy surgeries or nothing. I just did chemo. And, and after that, I've been in remission since. And it was during that time where we're started to think differently like that. Like, you know, also our jobs, you, you know, I started to think, question my own job. You know, I, I worked in a nine to five office job uh, at the time I was, when I did leave, it was 17 years of doing the exact same thing, just mm. sitting down. Um, I was a computer drafter and that's what I went to school for too. And then my wife, she was in the fashion industry. And, you know, she would drive three hours in traffic every day, you know? Mm, uh, wow. And so, you know, all of these things were, it kind of happened all at once where you get cancer. And then we started questioning all these little things that were happening around us. And then we decided, hey, let's, uh, let's grow some food, you know, because we started reading labels and we're thinking like, okay, if we're really going to know 
what's in our food and what we're eating, we should grow it ourselves. And we didn't know what that looked like. You know, we just went and bought some plant starts and threw them. We had a little garden uh, that we started in our backyard and we started uh, planting food, didn't really know how to do it. And um, we fell in love with that. You know, after you grow your first tomato plant and you eat that tomato uh, in a salad or something, you know, it's, it's exciting, you know, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you, you feel like a farmer, you know? <laughs> um, and so we fell in love with that. And then we started joking around like, Hey, let's, what if we found some land somewhere, you know, like, what if we could grow more of our food? You know, what if we could have chickens and, and you know, farm animals and stuff. And, you know, it would, it could be kind of like a joke. We'd laugh and be like, yeah, that, mm. that would, that sounds like a good idea, you know, on paper or like in the movies, you know, it sounds exciting, but is it really, you know, are we, mm-hmm. you know, is that really doable? Um, because we definitely knew that it wasn't going to happen to where we're at currently then, you know, we're not going to find some land. I mean, we're, I was thinking maybe one acre, I didn't even know how big one acre was, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or if that was enough. And so it was kind of like this snowball thing. And we just kept on talking about it. And it probably took us about a good six years from when I got cancer to when we actually left California. Uh, so it wasn't like, you know, overnight thing. It was a good six years of like talking about it. And I think that the thing is we continued to talk about it and it was like, it was building up momentum, uh, like building up speed. And, and the more we talked about it, the more we were like, Hey, we're going to do this, you know, but we didn't know what that, how that would happen. Um, I couldn't wrap my mind around like, okay, if we look at other properties in different States, like how, you know, I still got to work. <laughs> you know, we still need to pay bills. Like, how was that going to work? And, you know, well, maybe I could look for a job wherever it is we want to move and, you know, establish a job first and then move. You know, that seems a more responsible way. Yeah. But, you know, as we, we kind of, you know, as we we're talking about doing this homestead thing, like we were, you know, we had a house, a nice size house and, you know, two cars and, you know, we had some debts, uh, student loans and stuff like that. And so within those six years, you know, we tried to live more minimally. I mean, looking back at it now, we were kind of developing that homestead mindset in the city, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, this was before YouTube and social media, um, so you, we didn't really know people that were doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're, um, all of a sudden we got rid of one car, you know, went down to one car, got rid of the television, you know, stop, you know, we stopped eating fast food, you know, started save, trying to save more money and getting rid of stuff. We're slowly getting rid of stuff in our house. You know, we collected a lot of things. We had rooms that we wouldn't even go in, you know, they had couches. We'd get rid of those couches uh, you know, stuff like that. And then, I mean, you know, this took six years, but we're getting rid of all these things that we felt like we weren't using or didn't need because one day we're going to go find some land somewhere and start Mm -hmm. farming, you know, we're not going to need all these, all this stuff. And so, um, I remember one of the last things that we had and, and we all of a sudden looked around and we had nothing in our house. Like we had maybe a couch and like all our like lamps were gone. There was nothing on the walls. And we're like, I think this is pretty serious. Like the only thing yeah. we had really left was our kitchen table. We had our kitchen table left and we said, okay, our, if we sell this kitchen table, then we're pretty serious. I think this is going to happen. So, <laughs> you know, we sold the kitchen table and shortly thereafter we sold our house. Mm. And and the plan was we're going to, we, you know, with that money, we're going to continue to save and go move in with mom. Cause my mom lived like on the next street over and, and we're going to live there for a year. And in that year, we're going to go look for land somewhere. I didn't know where that was, uh, but we knew we wanted a little bit more space. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. We took, took that year of, of kind of looking around 
Uh, but at the same time, I still had a job. I, my wife, we had a, at that time we had our daughter and my wife, she, she left her career to be a stay at home mom. And, um, but I still had my office job. And so, um, I, I, I still couldn't wrap my mind around, um, uh, finding another job. I just couldn't do it. Um, because we didn't know where we're going to be at. And so it led us to North Carolina, the mountains of North Carolina. And we came to visit and we had never been on the East coast ever, you know, uh, we never really been outside California and, and, you know, we fell in love with the area. I mean, I think because it's so different, you know, it's very green and there's water, you know, there wasn't a drought, you know, and we felt a good sense of community out here who are people who are doing kind of what we wanted to do, which is start a, start a small farm. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, we ended up buying one and a half acres and then, you know, so we bought it, but, you know, we wanted to leave. So there was not, I cannot think of a way to do it because I could not find the job. And I looked out here briefly um, because I really wanted, I didn't want to do being back in the office. You know, I really wanted to figure a way to work for ourselves as a family and just be at home and work. And, you know, this is 2016 when we left. And um, so that I ended up just quitting my job and leaving. And your and, job, when you said a computer drafter, that's like engineer drafting? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know another way to do it. So we, we quit, you know, I just quit and, and we left. We had sold most of our stuff and, and, and we left and moved into our one and a half acres that we started on. And it was a rundown single wide home, a mobile home. You know, my wife uh, trusted me enough to come out here by myself and, and pick it out because she didn't see it prior to moving. I mean, other than pictures. Um, but you know, this is something we really wanted to do and we didn't really know anybody. Oh, we maybe knew like a, a, one couple kind of, and then, um, you know, didn't have family out here, to, you know, so no job. And all, all the thing we knew is we wanted to grow more of our food and just be, try to be as healthy as we can and, and be together as a family. Also just wanted to work myself and didn't know what that looked like, uh, but we're just going to figure it out. Mm. All right. So you obviously figured it out somehow. <laughs> well, it's not easy. It wasn't, it, yeah, it hasn't, it's still not easy, but you know, um, it's it just one of those things that we just, uh, I think I said yes to everything that came my way. Mm. Um, so when you say that, what did you say yes to? Were you doing a bunch of odd jobs just to kind of like fill the void until things started taking off? Yes, that's exactly what I did. Um, I think so we had, you know, with the sale of our house in California, you know, we had at least six months of of income of like mm -hmm. of money in the bank of like, okay, if I didn't find work for six months, we would be okay. You know, we can pay the bills and 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 did that way. Um, so at about month three of not having anything come in, you know, I almost kind of get, get panic attacks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like coming from the world of like, I got paid every Friday and got paid vacations and sick leave and, mm -hmm. and healthcare was paid for, you know, and all of a sudden that's gone and I haven't got paid in three months. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is, I, I, you know, is this, is this right? Uh, you know, uh -huh. did we do the right thing here? <clears throat> you know, we have a, we had a four-year-old at the time and it was just us two. And, and I, it definitely doubt was like going in my brain of like, this is, you know, we need to go back. You know, this is, we made the wrong decision, but it was just, you know, just continue moving forward. And, you know, for a lot of things I, you know, we would meet people in the community. We'd go to farmer's markets you know, I would just put the word out there and people who I am looking for work. If you guys need anything done at your house, you know, uh, putting in a sink, 
you know, uh, putting in a toilet, like whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and at the same time, I, I liked working with wood, um, doing working stuff. I like doing it. I, even though I didn't do a whole lot of it. Um, so I started doing those things, like kind of making like cutting boards and stuff like that. And, in the uh, Asheville area is where we moved to, um, you know, that's, it's huge on like um, people like, like artists, like pottery and woodworking. Um, and we didn't know that when we moved there, uh, but we started doing more like craft shows and stuff like that. And, 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 and so craft shows of stuff that we would make and, and, and sell there. Uh, and then also uh I, I think the first thing I really did was that Uber driver, um, okay. you know, uh, you know, and I did end up working part-time at a furniture store. Like it was really just whatever I could find. Um, I did s- still, cause I knew how to do computer drafting, like AutoCAD uh, work on lot, um, on the mm-hmm. computer. And so, you know, I'll work, th- I'll go through Craigslist, you know, see if anyone's looking for something drawn up like that. And so, and then about a year after we moved is when we started our YouTube channel. Um, and that was really before our family uh, back in California because they were still like asking questions of mm-hmm. like, what are you guys doing out there? You know, <laughs> you know, I, thought, yeah. I, retired, I retired early or something and they're, you know, they didn't understand. And plus we took their granddaughter away, you know, four-year-old, yeah. uh, you know, so that was a concern too, but um so it was really for them i was like this is what we did today and i did a short video throw it on youtube and like hey we have i created this channel so you guys go watch it and so you know for the first probably like few years it was really just saying yes to a lot of things and in in and creating this channel and slowly that i saw it growing as the years went along Yeah. Well, what I like about that too, is that you basically had a dream and you just slowly marched toward that dream. And it started with selling everything. It started with trying to grow your own food. And then you said the kitchen table, when the station table is gone, it's time to go. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then you basically did anything to start too. And I I think that's, you know, when we talk to people that want a homestead or people that want a farm, the big thing to tell people is just do it. Um, And sometimes it's going to look a little crazy, Sometimes you're going to have to take that step of fear, but um, just do it. Now, with uh, like when you were gardening in California, what were some of the first crops that you grew? You know, definitely tomatoes, mm-hmm. peppers, uh, like kale, um, lettuces, stuff like that. I mean, I think it was mainly stuff that was you could find at the local hardware store. You know, it wasn't also stuff that we knew that we liked you know, uh, that we like to eat, mm-hmm. uh, like, like those things, like tomatoes, peppers, uh, kale. So it wasn't anything too crazy. And then we, you know, started to uh, experiment with like growing potatoes. You know, we, we, we started with uh, raised garden beds. Uh, so I, I built like six of those and that's how we started with like square foot gardening, mm-hmm. um, type method. Uh, and then, yeah. So I think we just started with those and then, you know, kind of taught ourselves how to can food, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's funny when you start to do those things and not really knowing anybody in your area that's doing those things, um, all of a sudden people come out of the woodworks, you know, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden they, it almost like word gets around or something. And then you start to meet other people who are doing those things in, in, in your neighborhood and you're like, wow, I didn't know anyone else did this stuff, you know? And then you start to see uh, community gardens more and, and like, oh, wow, there's a community garden, you know, down, down the ways, in, you know, in, in this suburban neighborhood, which I had no idea was there. Um, and so, you know, we would do that. And, you know, in California, we created, um, before we left, it was a couple of years before we left, we created like a food swap, it was called, mm-hmm. where we would, you know, swap if you have an abundance of something, you're growing something, or even if you can something, you could switch, you know, we get together at a park and uh, like, if I have abundance of uh, a kale, I would, you know, switch you some kale for uh, you have abundance of eggs or something, Uh uh you know, no money involved. And it was just 
a way to just to you know grow a community and just hang out uh and find some like-minded people and that that did really well i mean we we met so many people that way um uh, people that we never would have met before um and you know that, that stopped when we moved but you know and then and then after that it just kind of snowballed from there Mm-hmm. Now, talk a little bit about, you know, you, you were married at the time. Um, talk about with your wife, what that looked like, because I'm assuming there may have been, was one of you more interested than the other, or was it equally you were both looking for this? Uh, it was definitely equally. Uh, we both mm-hmm. we both wanted this. You know, it, yeah, usually I think when you talk to people like like the way we did it, it's one or the other, <laughs> or that one is trying to get the other one on board. But mm-hmm. for us, it was definitely both of us. It was both of our, this has been both of our dreams of doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, is important. Um, I think if this was one of our dreams and not the other, then I'm, I'm you know, I can, I can think that maybe it wouldn't work, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe we wouldn't be as successful because one of us would probably be be miserable you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i feel like that's important and, and yeah from the get-go we we both wanted it you know i remember coming home from i used to come home from work you know after this is after cancer and i'm like man i just do not like my job anymore you know it just it's just so i just got bored at it and it was just not fun mm-hmm. he's like i just want to dig in the dirt you know, I just want to work with my hands. I, I yeah. just want to be be outside. And then my wife, she's like, I, you know, I want that too. You know, I want that for you. You know, I want that for us and for our family and, and to raise our daughter in a different environment. And, and yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we both wanted it. Yeah. Now, all right. So let's talk, let's fast forward to now. What does the, the, the farm look like now? Like what crops are you growing? What animals are you raising? Yeah. So now, so, you know, we started on that one and a half acres. We were there for six years and last year we moved to 14 acres. Uh, We grew, outgrew it, that property. And now, you know, we raised uh, two steers, um, some pigs, right? Uh, Last year we raised uh, pigs and then you know we have all the animals really most animals turkeys you know about 40 egg layers uh, we raise 150 uh, broilers meat chickens mm-hmm. uh, for the year um we have some cooney cooney pigs out there now some breeding a breeding pair of cooney coonies uh, we raised some three feeder pigs this year um, um else? oh plus we we started a um about 10 raised garden beds uh, that's more of like our, I guess, kitchen garden, something closer to the house, uh, because our soil here is really bad. It, it was a uh, old horse property, so it's very compacted and very definitely over overgrazed. And so you started. We we're starting with the raised garden beds, uh, you know, basic stuff like kind of how we started in California. You know, we try to remember, you know, how we started those raised beds back then, and uh, you know, growing what we want to eat. You know. Mm-hmm kales, lettuces, um, uh, tomatoes, um, maybe potatoes, stuff like that. Uh, and then uh, this year we grew in ground for the first time. We picked, we had a spot where we ran all of our animals and we had pigs there. We had chickens there. Our steers were there just trying to help us get that soil uncompacted um, and a little bit more fertile. And then we grow a bunch of pump we're growing a bunch of pumpkins right now hopefully they'll grow but <laughs> we just started that um so yeah and then we also do our own butchering here too with our animals gotcha now talk to me a little bit about the butchering there because i know you uh, teach some classes on that did that start off from the first or is it just people really wanted to learn about it so you started working that direction yeah well when, we're, when we were on our one and a half acres we did meat chickens and you know we moving around you know joe salton style and you know people started asking us questions you know people that we would meet be like hey yeah uh, i know you, you, like, you know you butcher them yourself you know 
can you show us how to do it? And so we'd start to do just people like just coming and we'll be like, yeah, sure. You know, if you guys want to help us. And, uh, and so they would come and, and we'd show them what we're doing. It just had more people were trying to, to learn stuff. And, you know, also at, at the same time, as we're growing our online presence, people were messaging us. People would know that we do this because I would film uh, for our YouTube channel, like, hey, today we're butchering chickens, you know, and I would show that in videos and do posts about it. And people would message us like, hey, I don't know anybody in my area that is teaching how to butcher a chicken. You know, I know you guys are doing it. Can I come over and you teach me? And these are people in different states. Like mm-hmm. they, don't live, they don't live in our area at all. And they're contacting me to show them how to do it. And so we thought, you know what, this is, what if we just, you know, started charging and then creating workshops around this because I feel like the demand was there. And so we started on one and a half acres doing it and maybe five people at a time, you know, cause we don't do hundreds of chickens at once, you know, maybe do 40. Uh, so definitely smaller scale uh, for, for the home. And so when we moved to this property, we knew like one of the reasons why we wanted a bigger property was because we wanted to do more of these workshops because we really think that that is more of our future mm. as we get older and as we learn how to do all this stuff. Uh, and and so last year, you know, first year here, we did uh, five chicken processing workshops mm. uh, and then we're, we're still doing them this year. And then we opened it up to... Um, this year we opened it up to the larger animals like pig uh, processing. You know, we had two pig processing workshops, which I um, teamed up with one of my friends um, that he, he's a butcher. Like he knows more mm-hmm. about larger animals than me, uh, even though I've done it, but he's more, you know, versed on the knowledge. And so teaming up with him, getting together, I have the space let's teach a workshop, you know, and mm-hmm. teach a workshop that way, you know, but the chickens, you know, it's me and my wife. And now my wife's parents are closer to us. They moved out of California uh, and they help us too. So they come out for butchering. And so it's like the whole family teaching, you know, 10 people all at once on mm-hmm. how to butcher chickens. Very cool. And so then um, with the, the, the gardening you're doing, is that more just for yourselves then as well? Yes. Yes. It's just more for ourselves for now. Um, I definitely do see us like in the future evolving to like actually selling Mm. produce. Um, Like we're talking about doing like a, maybe a greenhouse here, but I do feel like that's more of our future, like the hands-on workshops, selling stuff to the local community um, and not so much of the online content that we put out now. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So just after, after you, yeah. So start stopping to do as much online and just focus more on, on the in-person or the, um, the more teaching direct actual, like instead of just info, almost just more the actual education. Right. And I feel like it's for a lot of, for people, it's, 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 uh, it's the baby steps, you know, like, after you watch all the online content, you know, you can only watch so much online content, you know, there's so much out there, uh, mm-hmm. but you watch all that content, you read all the books, you read all the, the websites, you watch all the videos. And then what's the next step? Taking a hands-on class, mm-hmm. you know, go, go to somebody's farm and taking a class and then you could be ready for doing it yourself. You yeah. Know? Um, well- I think part of it is you can watch a tremendous amount of videos and everyone's going to do things a little bit differently, but you kind of need to see someone do it, start to finish and pick one way to do it. You, you can't do it everyone's way. Correct. Or, you know, you go multiple different workshops and you take pieces from yeah. everybody's workshop and like figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and go over that way. I mean, we also, you know, when COVID hit, people were still asking us, can we come over to to take workshops and Mm -hmm. then, and then me, and then, and then, but a lot of them were also like, well, I don't want to come over and take a workshop. Do you have anything online? Mm -hmm. So that, that is when we created our online courses of butchering chickens. 
Um, so, you know, we have the YouTube stuff, but we also have specific, like an actual course that people could take online. Uh-huh. And so I think that's helpful for people also. And then we have since made a pig butchering online course where people uh-huh. could just take it online and they have access to like videos and, and uh, PDF, downloadable PDF, like colored pictures and how to do it. So it's like, you know, I think you know, our area here, there's a lot of people doing this stuff. It, it, it sometimes can get, you have, I have to remember, like, not everyone has a community like that where they're uh-huh. at, where they could just ask their neighbor, like, hey, can I come over and you can show me how to butcher a pig? You know, like, that, that just uh-huh. doesn't happen. You know, they, they will probably be the only person doing that in their area. And so they either need to, like, go to a different state usually in, in, in take a class or they could take an online class like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Thriving Farmers listeners, it's Lindsay from Grown By. I have exciting news for farmers who sell direct. Grown By is proud to be the first and only platform where you can accept SNAP benefits online. 42 million Americans depend on SNAP benefits to feed their families, spending $114 billion annually. With Snap Online, you don't need clunky machines or weird workarounds to receive those payments. Customers shop your Grown By store and check out using their EBT card just like a credit card, and no special equipment is required. Grown By supports everything you'd want to sell, from complex CSA programs to weekly markets and delivery. I know that many of you care deeply about food security. There are so many projects that farmers do on their own to bring food to the communities who need it most. Offering SNAP Online is another way to make sure that your farm products are accessible to everyone. Thanks to a grant through USDA and our partner MarketLink, accepting SNAP Online at your farm is entirely free. Really. To get started, simply email us at snap, S-N-A-P, at farmgenerations.coop or visit us on the web at grownby.app. Check out today's show notes for more information. And also, just so you know, it's okay if you've never accepted SNAP before on your farm we will get you started. We hope that you will join me and the members of the Farm Generations Cooperative Makers of Grown By to expand your farm sales with SNAP Online. So let's talk for, because I think for farmers, um, actually hosting online or actually in-person education is huge. And that's something that we've seen really grow for us. We're about getting ready to offer our canning canning classes for the year. And What would you say would be some key things to think through for farmers before they offer their first like in-person education? I think you have to definitely, you got to think about if you want strangers at your farm mm. and if that's something you're not used to, you know, like for us, we're not necessarily, I wouldn't say we're necessarily farmers in the traditional sense where we have people coming to our farm. I mean, if you're already a farmer and you that's your business and you have people coming to your farm and then you create the workshops that I think feel like that's a little bit that that's mm, yep, you know, a little bit different than for like say us, like we're online content creators, and then now we're having people come to us. Mm-hmm. And so that's a little different because do we want people coming to us? You know, yeah, like do we want in-person people to, to yeah. meet a you know cup be here because you know we try to be private as much as possible yeah well we, and they're gonna see the whole farm that too yeah you have to <laughs> in a way like like it's weird because i don't want i hate to be, for people to come see us or even meet us in real life after they've been watching us for so long and they be come here and then they be disappointed mm, yeah because they have this sense of like they see you online with these edited videos and then they meet me in person and you're like you know they might say like you're you're nowhere near what i thought you were going to be in real life you know yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah. like i that's my biggest fear when i meet people like that is that i'm going to disappoint them because i'm you know we're just we're real people like uh-huh. we're not you know anybody special and i would hope that whatever they see us online that we're like that in real life like we're portraying like a real honest person Uh Um, so when they come here yeah i mean this is our farm this is what it looks like and and i like to think that they 
you know, and they, okay, this is what I imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so getting over that fear, get that. Yeah. you know, yeah. Giving over yeah. that fear and like saying like are perfect. I mean, yeah, there's certain parts of the, of the homestead that I don't show you on camera. Yeah. You know, because I'm not going to show you that pile of junk. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. or like a certain part of my property is not mowed. Like, a, you know, I mean, yeah, it's fine, but like, that's real life. You know, yeah. it's not, you know, yeah. or something's broken and it's just sitting there. You know, like, uh, you know, you don't really see that. So, I guess for somebody coming to your farm, you have to get over that, mm-hmm. you know, or 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 say to yourself, do you really want people to see that, or do you, you know? But that's real life, though, you know, and people need to understand that. Yeah, we have a farm tour happening here through the local soil and water. And I'm looking at there as I'm walking out today. I was like, oh, gosh, they're going to see this and they're going to see this. Um, <laughs> but it is true life. And, you know, I, I would say one of the things that with building this new farm is we built this farm incredibly rapidly. And I think the thing that's struggling to catch up is our A, our soil life and B, our team on, on production. So, you know, we have a fabulous team, which our retail store is fabulous and that works really, really well. But the actual production aspect is, is lagging because we just, we just don't have the expertise yet. So, um, yeah, it's yes. one of those things why we haven't had any field days or haven't had any things because I, <laughs> I feel like i got a reputation to keep up. And <laughs> my wife's like, right. well, they got to see it. You know, she said, they're going to respect you more if he's like, hey, this is what's really like to farm. And you can still farm if stuff looks like this. It's not going to look perfect. It's going to be look right. messy. So totally. anyway. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's another thing I, I just thought of right now, though, is, uh, um, you know, if you're charging for these workshops, uh, figuring out like a good price point, mm. um, because what I'm what I'm realizing is that you know, if, if you have a price out there and if you don't, if, if people don't give you put, some people give you pushback on that, like, Oh my gosh, this is too much. I'm not paying that much for that. That's Mm -hmm. insane. How can you pay that? How can you charge that much? If you don't get that pushback, then I think it means that you're not charging enough. Yeah. Um, The rule we use is if 10% of people want complain and then you're probably not charging high enough. Yes. And coming like, I, I never considered myself like a entrepreneur or, or, you know, we always, always work for somebody. So it's, these things are like hard for me to wrap my mind around, you know, like, especially charge charging for, for things like trying to figure out what that is. Cause you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to push people away, you know? Uh, so that's kind of hard to, to do but like when you're doing a workshop you have i think it's important to do at the price that it, it can't be free you mm-hmm. know like i feel like if it's say five bucks even five bucks or 20 bucks they don't almost they don't respect it they don't respect you as mm-hmm. much like we had a mm-hmm. like i'm just being honest here like like our one of our uh, pig butchery workshop you know it was, it was a two-day thing uh mm-hmm. you know we fed people um and the price point we had on there was i mean uh, it, i mean it was it was high but mm-hmm. i mean it wasn't the highest that i've seen out there but it was pretty up there and uh the late one of the ladies that was that was here and and, and my thing is like i want it to be hands-on i want these mm-hmm. people to mm-hmm. get dirty i want them to want to pull out the guts <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, this, yeah this is why they they are here like to mm-hmm. to learn and so the lady one of the ladies at the class she was like you know i you know for the price that we paid for this class she goes i'm getting my hands dirty mm, yes yeah so she's gonna be invested because she paid so much right mm-hmm. versus if maybe it was only like 50 bucks then they've i almost feel like i think i'm not getting my hands dirty Mm-hmm. You know, it was only, it's 50 bucks. Like, I'm just here because it was 50 bucks and I just want to hang out, you know, like, yeah. I just want to see it. Like they don't, they're just kind of there, but they only come because it's free basically. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to, yeah. Be invested all of that. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> how do you make sure you set the right expectations for the people attending? 
Uh, I try to list everything out before they, you know, when they go to the page and they, they know what, like what you'll like, I'll write out like what you'll get, what's included in the price, mm. this, 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 and just list out everything that's going to be, even from like coffee in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. a meal every day uh, or whatever it is. Uh, or, you know, for our chicken processing, we'll, we'll include, uh, include the whole chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife teaches you how to piece out a chicken, you know, uh, includes how to bag a chicken, you know, and, you know, we'll do like a little farm tour here, you know, includes all that. Um, gotcha. So you're big, very specific in the outline. Yeah. So there's no questions of, well, I'm not sure what I'm getting. Um, am I just getting a, a, you show me how to do this or are we doing mm-hmm. one chicken? Or are we doing 40 chickens? you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. We actually are hoping to do an in-person chicken class this summer um, with a partner farm. Cause we actually don't raise any chickens on our farm because we're so urban. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I was just interested in how that works. Um, let's, what would you say has been the biggest things that you've learned and let's say, you know, in this, in your homesteading and uh, farming journey? Uh, I would say the biggest thing would, um... that's a tough one. <laughs> I would say, I guess a bit, one of the biggest things is be just um, how to do things for ourselves. Mm. Um, you know, I was, you know, I, we didn't know what working for ourselves would look like. I mean, I still feel like it's very much of just figuring it out as we go. Um, but every year it gets, it gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think just working, trying to figure out how to work together as a family, like with, with my wife mm-hmm. uh, and now my daughter, I mean, she's 11 now and she's already developed like that entrepreneur, like mindset, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like she's, I mean, cause she sees us talking and working and we're, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll go back and forth of like, oh, maybe we should sell this, you know, because we sell like merchandise too, and I make plans for the stuff I build. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we're, we're, we have a vendor space at an event. And um, for a couple of years, we had a shop space in Asheville selling woodworking stuff mm. uh, that we would rent, that we rented out. Um, and, you know, just kind of, basically doing what we want to do and just trying to how to make an income from that uh, of trying to figure that out. So definitely, I guess we are continuing to learn how to do that. And something that when we first started, definitely didn't know how to do any of that stuff um, Mm -hmm. because I've just never done it. Yeah. Now with that, if you could go back and start over again, would you change anything? You know, I like to say, yeah, I would, but I don't know if I I would. I mean, I guess, you know, finding, working for yourself is difficult. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe at first finding an actual job, starting off finding an actual job, but then at the same time, you know, if we would have waited, I don't think we would have left California, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't find a, a, a job, job. Uh, I think since I've left, which is, you know, seven years, about seven years now, you know, I've never had a full-time job. It's always been seasonal, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or part-time. Everything's part-time and seasonal. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is what I cannot understand at first. Um, so definitely it would probably be easier if I did find a job at first, but at the same time, I might have been started to get comfortable again with that job mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and sta- stayed, you know? Yeah. Not having that backup really made you, um, made you hungry. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like you almost like you, I purposely backed myself in the corner and said, you have no other options, mm-hmm. but, but to figure it out. Yeah. What would you say is your, what does your day look like now? Now, uh, you know, we have, you know, coming from one and a half acres to 14, that definitely is a big change because I'm used, you know, back 
uh, one and a half acres, I could walk everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I could look out my kitchen window and see every, everything. And now it's more land. Uh, you know, the first couple months I was walking everywhere and I was, we felt like we ran a marathon, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause it's yeah. like a lot of, a lot more steps now. Um, and so that took a little time to get used to, but now, you know, we've been here a, a year and a half now. Uh, I got to learn the lay of the land a little bit better. You know, we're moving chicken coops uh, like twice a day. Um, so in the morning, you know, usually do all the, all the chores. Um, right now we have three chicken coops for our meat, meat chickens. Um, so I'm moving those. We got turkeys that we're moving and everything here is movable. Um, all the structures, uh, we got, um, a bringing pair of Cooney Cooney pigs and they just had piglets, mm-hmm. uh, like seven of them this year. And so, you know, we're constantly moving them, uh, our egg layers. So definitely in the morning, I'm usually doing chores and, uh, and also filming all of this at the same time. Uh, so yeah. I have a, have a camera in one hand, you know, with a tripod and as I'm going along and talking about the things that we're doing and then, um, you know, plus my wife, she's in it and my daughter and, you know, we're working together at that of trying to create the content online and while we're taking care of the animals and the land, you know, and then, you know, we have meal, every single meal we have is together as a family, you know, in the morning, have breakfast, lunch and dinner together and uh all while filming we film a little bit of that too uh and then um i had since got a little mini truck uh suzuki uh to drive along the land also so just trying to trying to keep up with that (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i've always wanted to pick up one of those little trucks i've been looking oh they're fun yeah super fun i saw one go ahead they're affordable they're affordable too they're like way Correct. more affordable than like a side-by-side or like a mule or something like yeah way more yeah so i found a local one but it was like they wanted 1400 bucks for it but it was a project and it needed a new clutch mm. it needed all these things and i was like i do not know what i'm getting into there i have a really great mechanic i can send it to and he'll just work on it yeah. um he's very reasonable but um i need to find something a little bit more it may need like three things and that's all but um right, right. yeah so with the filming then, I mean, that's obviously, that's one of the, the reasons why we don't do a lot of ongoing content is I just clearly don't have the patience. I want to just get stuff done. So the fact right. that you have the patience to record all that is awesome. Um, what would you say, you know, because I think that is important to show that side of the farm to let people see, because I think people just absolutely eat that up because um, they, I think they live through the videos. They kind of live vicariously through the videos you show them. Um, how have you made I'm sure you have time for that or? what kind of drives that yeah it's just became evolved over the years you know you first start i first started off with my iphone mm-hmm. uh, and did that for like two years and then just gradually wanting i wanted to improve the quality of the videos you know the you know get them and then also the the sound get a mm-hmm. mic you know stuff like that so it's that, that has evolved um you know i've always done my own editing i still do my own editing um so you know, with a bigger property now, there's more stuff going on. So uh, before we were doing, putting out a lot more videos because we had the time, more time. But now I, I mean, I still post like two videos, two or three videos a week, mm-hmm. um, which is still a lot. But um, um, so, yeah, you, now it's not so like I, I try to pick a topic and then do a video around that. So it, it might be multiple days. Mm-hmm. of filming for one video uh as before i would just literally turn on the camera and just go about my day and film it and that would gotcha. be it. that would yeah. be it um so now i feel like the videos are a little bit more thoughtful mm-hmm. um and uh, a little bit more i would say they're a lot better like the editing and mm-hmm. just you know you've done it for i've done it for so long so you should get better whatever it is that you're doing um but yeah i mean usually what happens is like I film for a couple of days and then the next day I'm editing. Cause it'll take me about four to six hours to edit one video. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of camera are you using now? I'm using a Sony a seven mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, yeah. with the road mic 
on it. Now, is the road mic one of those that's like a shotgun or is it actually like a clip on? It's a shotgun mic. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of big. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's funny. It's like this, it's kind of a big camera. I mean, I mean, nowadays, I mean, the camera seems like oh, yeah. smaller nowadays Yeah. and they're very great quality or even with your phone now, your phone now is like, it's incredible. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me, like I, I got used to having a bigger camera, um, it's an SLR camera mm-hmm. and, uh, because I don't know, I just got used to it. Like I started using a flip phone or a flip camera, a little flip one. Yeah. For some reason, you know, I started going out in the community. Like I'd go to a farmer's market and start filming, you know, and for some reason, if you have a little camera, or even if you're using your phone, you're, you, you're intimidated about busting it out, you know, and start. Yeah. Filming. Yeah. <laughs> you almost want to, you almost are hiding it gotcha and you become this creepy guy at the <laughs> farmer's market like they know you have a camera and they know you're talking to it <laughs> <laughs> all right so i get it so the fact that you have this big camera the fact that you're doing it it's just kind of like you might as well rip the band-aid off yeah. and let everyone know what's going on <laughs> yes because there's no hiding it yes gotcha you, you have this thing now now you're in it now you're there you might as well get in front of that camera and start talking because it's there <laughs> yeah 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 we are between two train tracks and uh one of them is the fifth busiest in the u.s so literally oh, like man. it's as often as every 15 minutes that we'll have a train come through oh. and there's three crossings so that means that we have basically nine horn basically uh every time it comes through. So if you can imagine that next time we have yeah. a train crossing, think about, you know, nine horn blasts. Um, so yeah. yeah, we've done some <laughs> filming here for different things and it's like, okay, when shut down, we just literally are going to stand here for the next 45 seconds to a minute and let that all go through. Wow. So. Yeah. That, that'd be tough. Well, on our one and a half acres, we were on a corner. Lot. Oh so yeah. We were on a very busy road and over the years, it just got more busier. I mean, we're talking big rigs flying down. Mm. Uh, the, the school bus dropped their kids off right in front of our house. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, all like that was very busy. So every time like a big rig would go by, I'd like, I'd like stop talking on the mm-hmm. camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And then like for the longest time, people didn't know, like, I couldn't even they, they tell me like, I could, I didn't even, I couldn't even tell that you were on a busy road. You know, I wouldn't show the busy road either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, but yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. That can be tough. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a great conversation. Learned so much about you and kind of how you make things work. And um, yeah, thanks so much for sharing your journey. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun, man. It was, it was great seeing you face to face. I think we've been uh, Facebook friends for a while, but <laughs> absolutely. Yes, probably. Yes, I think so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.